Hello, and welcome to Memorial Hall Library's Shelf Health Podcast. I'm Stephanie Smith, a reference and cataloging librarian. And I'm Claire Curran. I am the Assistant Director for Technical Services and Collections here at Memorial Hall Library. And this week, we're going to be discussing summer reads and summer reading. Uh, we are done with our community read. So if you've been listening to the previous episodes about uh, Susan Orlean's book, The Library Book, um, we are done with that. And we're going to be moving on to a wider variety of library-related topics. So Claire, where would you like to start with summer reading? Well, summer reading uh, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So to be clear, we're not talking about the summer reading your kids will be doing uh, for school assignments. We're talking about adult summer reading, um, books that you might enjoy uh, reading this summer. And um, we've tried to pick a wide variety of topics, not necessarily your typical summer reading books or beach books. Um, And hopefully you find at least one or two titles here that might interest you to read while you're on your vacation or just sitting outside sipping lemonade on your porch. Definitely. Let me take this opportunity to remind you that if you are going into the beach, you should not bring our hardcover books with you. Please try to avoid that. The sand gets in those covers and it makes us all very sad. The paperbacks are really what you want or eBooks also great for the beach. Hardcovers, not yep, so That's much. a little cataloging trivia because yeah. Steffi and I both work in the cataloging department and, and every year we get many books downstairs with a note from circulation saying mm-hmm. sand in the cover and we do yep. have to recover those. So yeah, keep when that I, in mind. <laughs> yes, when I, was, when I was a kid and teenager, we lived in Manchester by the sea and actually on their hardcover books, I don't, I don't know if they still do this, but they had a little sticker inside each one that said, please do not take hardcover books to the beach. And they kept a cardboard box in like the bathhouse there with, you know, paperbacks that the library no longer needed for people to just freely take, leave, whatever, to, uh, to encourage paperback beach reading. <laughs> Absolutely. So Absolutely. I know, I think maybe only one or two of the titles I want to talk about is in paperback, but um, but there are ebook versions as well. And you know, you really just I guess you could get sand in your phone or your e-reader, but uh, you know, more beach friendly, I think. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so one of them, which is in paperback and which we own in paperback and you can reserve, is called How to Mars by David Ebenbach. And This is his debut novel. Um, And I was sort of intrigued. I haven't read it yet. I've read the first few pages. I saw this while cataloging and, uh, and was instantly intrigued because on the back of the book, it was something like, you know, a combination of Douglas Adams Hitchhiker Guide to the Galaxy, um, Andy Weir's The Martian and the TV show Mythbusters. And these are all things that I enjoy. And I just thought, well, you know, how could you go wrong? <laughs> Plus, I, the cover of the book, you know, it has people in spacesuits holding a beach umbrella. And so that to me just seems perfect for one of my summer reads. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So it's kind of about a group. I guess the premise is that there's a reality TV show or there was a reality TV show about a group of people, scientists who agreed to go live on Mars forever for a lifetime of research. Um, the reality TV show was deemed too boring and has been canceled, but the scientists are still there on Mars. And um, at the beginning, they're quite bored. 
Um, but then it turns out that one of them is pregnant and no one knows what's going to happen to a pregnancy on Mars. No one has done that before. And so I think that's going to be kind of the central, like, you know, plot element. Obviously, I'm not sure because I haven't read it, but uh, but that's definitely one that I'm looking forward to for this summer. Okay, that sounds like a very, very good one. Not yeah, I mean, usual summer reading, a little bit no. quirky for sure. Yeah, but I do think I do think it has some elements of like the typical beach read, and that there's there's definitely like an interper like it's science fiction, but with a lot of interpersonal drama. Yes, we do <laughs> um, like that. <laughs> yeah, and so I feel like the sort of interpersonal drama is what I tend to think of with like a typical beach read for adults. Um, and you know, I like. Most of the year, I like lighthearted things, but especially during the summer, like, I don't want anything that's going to bring me down while I'm on the beach, so. That's interesting, because a, a lot of people really like to read light books in the summer, but mm-hmm. there, we do have patrons who actually say, because of the nice weather, they're more inclined to read something depressing, because it won't <laughs> depress them as much as usual if they read it in the dead of winter. Yeah. So I do you think know? that's interesting. I did have a, a patron last summer asked me, actually, it must have been the summer before, now that I think about it. Um, she said, find me the most depressing book you can. I'm going to the beach and I like to read depressing books while I'm in the sun. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'd never thought of that, but it makes sense. I'll buy it. <laughs> so I did, um, with her in mind, pick yes. one depressing read for um, one of the books I'm going to highlight. But that is not the first one I'm highlighting. The first okay. one I'm highlighting is from our book club collection. Um, Your patrons may know this collection. It's near the fiction collection. It's uh, popular paperbacks and they all have a little orange sticker um, for those of you that are watching that say book club. Um, And this collection is popular all year but it tends to be even more popular in the summer. So the first book um, that I chose to highlight for what one I think is a really good summer read is called Next Year in Havana. It's by Chanel Clayton. Uh, she herself was, uh, the author was born here in America, uh, grew up in Florida, but her family uh, was from Cuba. And a lot of this story is based on stories that she heard growing up from her family. So one of my favorite plot devices uh, for a book is a, is a dual storyline, mm. um, a story that happens many years before and then a modern day story and and the two stories in the end tie together Um, so this is one of those books Um, the first story takes place during the Cuban revolution 1958 in Cuba Um, the main character is named Elisa Perez she is one of four daughters from a wealthy family Uh, her father is a sugar baron they are very, um, they lead a very sort of sheltered life. Um, things in Cuba are under Batista at this point in time, and um, their family is protected from a lot of the brutality and the uh, difficult reality that uh, people in Cuba who don't have money are, are not protected from. And as Fidel Castro starts to come to power, um, things start to change for this family. And Elisa is 19 years old and she has um, met a revolutionary, um, someone who is fighting for Fidel and the two of them fall in love. Now I'm not giving too much away because this happens at the beginning of the book, Um, but her family is forced to flee Cuba. Um, 
shortly after uh, she's fallen in love and they, they flee to Florida and she leaves with her family and she's on the airplane thinking, when will she be back? She thinks, right. you know, things will, will calm down and the family will be able to come back. Well, the truth of the matter is the family never comes back. Mm. Elisa ends up, you know, moving to Florida and that's where she stays. The second storyline takes place in 2017 in Florida, and it is Marisol Ferreira, the granddaughter of Elisa yep. Perez. Now, Marisol uh, has been raised by her grandmother. Her mother has died, and she's now a 31-year-old woman. And at the beginning of the story, at the beginning of her story, she's mourning the death of her grandmother, Elisa. Okay. Yeah. Her grandmother hopes that her last wish um, that she entrusts to her granddaughter is that her ashes be sprinkled in Cuba. So her granddaughter goes to Cuba and discovers um, her childhood friend. She stays with her. And of yeah. course, the childhood friend has a handsome grandson. Who's single. <laughs> That's where a little romance comes in. Yep. And and Marisol starts to discover that there were many secrets in her grandmother's life and that all is not as it seems. And so she's uncovering these secrets. It's a little bit of a mystery, mm -hmm. also a little romance, a lot of Cuban history, um, just really, really interesting and characters that were well-developed that you enjoyed yep. reading about. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot, made me go back and sort of read about Cuban history. I, I literally knew absolutely nothing about that time, about the Cuban revolution. Um, if I ever learned it back in elementary school or middle school or high school, I had forgotten. Yeah. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed that part of it. And I will say that um, it's a good beach book. It's also paperback. So it's, you can't get sand in the cover. Nope. Um, so that would be my, my first book I'm going to recommend. Yeah, that sounds great. I also really like when the books have the dual storyline. Uh, I mean, if it's done well. That can really yes. add a lot of a lot it, of interest. It has to be done well, and the stories yeah. really have to come together well at the end. Two of my favorite authors that I think do this really well, mm -hmm. Fiona Davis and Kate Morton. Yeah. I always love um, those dual storylines. They usually yeah. have a twist, and they but they always come together so well at the end, and that's really the key, I think, to a dual yeah. storyline. But it is my one of my favorite plot devices. Definitely. I think it's also tricky with the dual storyline, like, because, right, it does have to come together at the end, but you don't want it to be, like, they can't be the same story. Yeah, know? exactly. Like, it's that, getting that level of balance between, like, there are enough parallels, but it's not the same thing. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's hard to do. It's hard to do well. So when yeah. I find an author that does it well, I tend to read everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny also because one of the things that I was thinking about for summer reading, and I think this applies to the book you just mentioned, is that um, I feel like there's sort of a tendency to either find books that are set during the summer or that are set in places that are warm most of the time, you know, like Florida and Cuba. Um, I mean, I also like that in the winter, but it feels more like a vacation almost in the Absolutely. winter. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, there's something about summer where I, I want something that's set like someplace tropical. Yes. Um, and so the next book that is on my list is also, it's in a tropical setting, but it's in Malaysia, which is maybe subtropical. I'm pretty sure it's warm basically year round there. It seems like um, it would be. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's called Blackwater Sister uh, by Zen Cho. We also own it. I don't remember if we own it in paperback or hardcover, um, but it also just came out um, brand new. And 
At the very beginning, it follows a character named Jess, who is a young adult recently out of college. And she and her parents are, you know, she's lived in the U.S. almost all of her life, but she and her parents are moving back to Malaysia. Um, And in theory, because her dad uh, just got a new job there. Um, But you kind of get the sense that maybe something else is afoot. There's a grandmother who, uh, who died recently. Another connection, actually, to... What was it, last year in Havana is the one you just mentioned? Yeah, next year yeah. in Havana. Yeah, so another sort of parallel there. Um, and I believe that the narrator or the main character, Jess, has either never met the grandmother or didn't know her that well because, you know, maybe they, they've been back to Malaysia to visit. But of course, when you're living on the other side of the world from a grandparent or from anyone, you, you know, there's just only so much interaction you can have. But, um, but Jess has started hearing a voice a ghostly voice and uh and she's not sure what's going on but so there's this sort of you know and then there's also the plot line of you know she's a lesbian and she's not out to her parents and they definitely are not approving of that uh you know and so she's kind of but then at the same you know and i believe there's like a new romance that's going to be happening in the malaysia part but on the other hand her grandmother's ghost is like you know, it has her own agenda and her own things that she wants accomplished. And so I think there's sort of these two plot lines that are kind of going to be, I assume are also going to be intertwined in some way. Um, but, but again, this was one that for me, I'm looking forward to reading this summer. You know, it's got, it's got the foreign setting someplace warm. It's got a little bit of romance and it's got this, this ghost. Um, I love a good ghost story. I like Not a good ghost scary, story myself. Absolutely. Yeah. But this is not a scary one, ghost. Not a scary ghost. Yeah. One of my favorite books growing up was The Amityville Horror um, by Jay Anson. In eighth grade, I read that a, a thousand times over and over. And ever since then, I have loved a story that has a ghost in it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it again, when it is done well, it can just be such a fun element in a story, you know, and it really opens up possibilities because obviously things that would not be possible for a human uh, you know, or maybe possible for a ghost. So absolutely. Um, yeah. So I mean, definitely, definitely in the fantasy genre, but I would say possibly bordering on magical realism, even. I mean, because it's very much set, you know, in a real place in the present day world. It's not mm-hmm. the sort of fantasy that I think if you don't read fantasy, you hear it and you think kind of like, you know, knights and like pseudo medieval yes. Europe and, sure. you know magic wand or you think you know harry potter magic wands mm-hmm. and i mean those are both fantasy also and like pretty common but but then there's also this whole vein of you know it's it's a little bit more involved than magical realism maybe which to me tends to be more of a subtle like you know hint of something mystical um but uh, it's sort of like maybe an alice hoffman more like with the yeah. runs through the storyline and a little bit of magic but it's really, right most of the story is something that would be able to actually happen right yes and so I think you know this is this is maybe a little bit more fantasy than that but Mm -hmm. but again it's it's borderline because you know like is the ghost real is just just imagining this you know is it some kind of mental illness um I'll be interested to see how the book deals with that sounds like a very good one yeah yeah so my next one um, is the depressing one I spoke about earlier. Uh, maybe more sad than, than yeah. depressing because the main character uh, is filled with hope. So uh, the next book is called The Girl with the Louding Voice. 
Um, mm, that's gotten a lot of buzz. Abidare. Um, and it is about a girl. The main character, his name is Aduni. And she is a 14-year-old girl from Nigeria living in abject poverty. Um, she has a very close connection with her mother. And uh, at the very beginning of the book, her mother is dying. Mm. And the mother asks her to come in and sit with her. She wants to give her some um, advice before she knows uh, she, won't, she won't be able to do that anymore. So the advice she gives her daughter is to get an education. Now, Aduni is attending school at the moment. She loves school. She's very smart, um, ha has a bright future ahead with the brain she has, but her mother knows what it's like for a girl growing up and that the men sort of make a lot of decisions for the women. So she tells her that you cannot give up on your education. Well, the mother dies and the father sells the daughter um, mm. to an older man to be her to be his wife. And yeah. it, he needs to do that, he tells Aduni, because he needs money to support him and her two brothers, who are really considered more important than, yeah. than she is. So she is married off quickly. This is all at the beginning of the book. So again, I'm not giving anything away. Yeah. Um, so she enters a home with her husband. He already has two wives and several children. Uh, it's a difficult situation. The first wife is very angry at um, Aduni, the new young wife, yep. um, and she's quite abusive, um, but mm. the other wife befriends her, and um, the two of them sort of make, make a very difficult situation survivable with their friendship, but eventually it becomes too much uh, for Aduni, and she actually runs away. Mm -hmm. And when she runs away, she ends up becoming a maid in a wealthy household in a big city uh, in Nigeria. And from there, her dream of going back to school uh, really keeps her, keeps her going, moving forward. Um, and she comes across many, many obstacles. She meets people, who, people in her life who are very abusive. Um, at the same time, she has good people in her life as well. And she really uses those friendships to keep her dream alive. And because she's such a likable, intelligent, kind character, people, people do want to help her. And of course, she helps herself. So while it's sad, parts of it are sad, it's also very hopeful. Um, but if you're the kind of person who likes a sad book and you don't want to read it in the dead of winter when it might really actually depress you, uh, this might be um, the time to read The Girl with the Louding Voice. So I highly recommend it. Um, I read it a few months ago. It's one of my favorite books that I've read this year. And it, it is also in our book club collection in paperback. So yeah, all good, free. all good attributes for a yes. summer reading book. And I yes. agree. I mean, if I'm going to do something that deals with more difficult topic or topics I do want there to be some sort of thread of hope in the story absolutely so that, so that you don't come away just feeling totally you know totally down well, um, and and the the um voice of this 14 year old girl it's um told in an, an interesting dialect yeah. and she speaks differently and, and at the beginning you're sort of taken aback by it but I'll read a little, um, a little example of it, so you can sort of get the idea yeah. of how what her voice sounds like as she tells her story. So uh, I'll just set up this little um, clip I'm going to read. She, she is in the living room. Uh, she's describing the living room of her her home, her family's home, when she's yeah. still living with her dad and her brothers. 
And remember, they're absolutely, they're so poor, they can afford nothing. Um, mm -hmm. So she, here is her unique voice talking about the TV in their living room. We have a TV in our parlor. It didn't work. Born boy, our firstborn, he find the TV inside dustbin two years back when he was working a job as dustbin collector officer in the next village. We are only putting it there for fashion. It is looking good, sitting like a handsome prince inside our parlor, in the corner beside the front door. We are even putting small flower vase on top of it, be like a crown on the prince's head. And her voice is, that dialect is throughout. And at first you feel like, can I, is this going to be, is this story going to flow? But it is absolutely, she's funny, she's smart, she's strong. And it, yeah. her voice is a louding voice, a loud voice, uh, which is yeah. what her mother wanted her to have when she told her to get an education. So I think people will really find humor as well as um, sadness in this book. Yeah, I mean, the comparison, the comparison of the TV with a prince is just, you know, with the flowers as a crown is really charming. It is, isn't it? it, it is. really, and there, you know. and there, so many parts of the book are like that. The way she right. speaks is so charming and funny and unique. Mm -hmm. um, you just, you'd, you'll fall in love with her. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I bet, I bet that that's one that, you know, if, for people who might struggle with reading that dialect, I bet the audio book would be really great. Because I feel like sometimes with written dialect, it, you know, if you can't imagine how it sounds, it makes it harder. But if you're hearing someone reading it for you, you know, then you can really get into the flow of it. Absolutely. And, and it, you do, you forget as you're reading right. very quickly, like it just, it does flow. But at the beginning, yeah. um, I was reading some reviews and a few people had said they were a little bit put off by mm -hmm. the dialect at the beginning, but then once they started reading, it was fine. And that does yeah. sometimes happen. Um, yeah when, when the voice is not something you're used to hearing right so for sure but that sounds I think actually I I know I cataloged one of our copies of that and I remember reading the first few pages as well because you know you have to know what you're dealing with in your catalog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that one looked really interesting I uh I feel like we're seeing more and more books being published from African writers or mm -hmm. from African-American writers specifically in the sense of you know people who immigrated here from Africa um, versus African-Americans who have always lived here. Yeah, I mean, we are also seeing more published by African-Americans, but um, in terms of like people of African descent who've, you know, who've lived here for generations, but. Well, in this, more... um, I, I went to um, an author, I, I heard the author speak online um, at a Zoom sort of um, yeah. thing she did talking about her books. Um, her name's Abi Dare, and she um, wrote the story based on something she saw growing up in yeah. Africa. And she is raising her family here, and she has yep. a daughter who she talks about um, asking her to load the dishwasher. And the daughter, sort of the teenage daughter, sort of giving her some grief about that. And right. she goes to tell her about um, the as she was growing up when she saw maids working in people's homes and how they were treated and it brought back all these memories for her which sort of was one of the reasons she wrote the book because yeah. it, she began to think about this and how her her daughter didn't know that sort of thing and and I thought that was interesting that that that's how she sort of came to yeah. the idea of writing the story. I always love reading books written by people who have 
you know, whether they live in America now or not, who have lived in another country for some amount of time, whether that's where they've always lived or, you know, it just, there are so many things that I think if you've never lived there, like the details that you would mention are not the same as the details that you just sort of inherently get from someone who's lived in another place and really knows the culture. Absolutely. And, and there may be, you know, they're not things that I necessarily would ever have thought about or have thought to ask about. Um, but I always really enjoy that experience of being kind of, I mean, I guess that's also what I like about fantasy or science fiction is that it can immerse you in an unfamiliar world, but mm-hmm. you know, that can be done really well with contemporary fiction from other countries or, you know, historical fiction that's been sure. well researched. So I always like that in a book. And this one has really the flavor of the country woven into the story. It really yeah. does. You really get a sense of what her life was like with the small details that the author right. Um gives in the story really I, I it just there there's nothing bad about this book the setting the yeah. voice the story the um the characters besides the main character the other characters in the story vibrant well written us uh, not likable many of them right uh, but still you know characters that that are gripping and make you want to yeah. keep reading so definitely I mean, I think as long as it's not like Gone Girl, where I got to the end and I was just so mad because I hated everyone, but I had to know, I had to know what happened, but I got to the end and I was so upset. <laughs> it's true. In, in Gone Girl, and I didn't read the book, but I did see the movie. I, I didn't like anybody. No, they're all just like awesome. any of them. Yeah. So, so at least sometimes sounds, that happens. Yeah. But at least it sounds like in The Girl with the Louding Voice, there, there are some good characters, some likable characters. They're all good characters, but there are some likable characters. Likeable, kind of, yeah counterbalance the characters who are maybe good characters in the sense of well-written but not likable absolutely and you know um for people who like coming of age stories Mm, this this is a a really really good one yeah sounds like it so actually probably the last book that i'll have time to mention today the next one on my list is also set in africa um but in in cairo in egypt but in an alternate history cairo um and it's technically it's not quite a series, but it's the third novel or novella that this author has written in this alternate Cairo setting. And I get the feeling that they can all stand alone um, or you you know, can certainly read all of them. Um, so this one is called A Master of Gin, like D-J-I-N-N, like mm-hmm. genie in a bottle, not gin like you would drink. That would be a different <laughs> kind of story. It's good to clarify that. Yes. And the author is P. Jelly Clark. Uh, And we will have a list of all of these titles and authors, as well as some that we haven't gotten to discuss, um, because I'm sure my pronunciation of that is not doing justice to how it's spelled. So if you want to be able to find this, although Clark, it will be filed under Clark, which is spelled exactly how you think. Um, So yeah, it's called A Master of Gin. And right, it's set in this alternate history Cairo. And I've read, I haven't read any of the previous ones in this alternate Cairo, although I plan to do that this summer too. But I've read a previous one by this author that's set in an alternate history New Orleans. And they did such a good job with that, that I was very excited to find out that not only is there this new book, but also it has two related books set in, you know, a different alternate history. But um but I'm guessing it's going to be just as well done as the book that I have read, which was called The Black God's Drums, and which we have here also in paperback. 
And that one is a novella, which I also like in the summer, something nice and short, because I can mm-hmm. just read the whole thing in an afternoon at the beach. And that's very satisfying. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, this is the one that I, that I know the least about. Um, and I didn't want to look too much into the details of it because I want to go back and read the first one in the sequence. But if it's anything like the Black God's Drums, there was really a mix of, of fantasy and science fiction, elements of both, but really grounded in this alternate historical setting that was, that, you know, it was amazing because it was a novella, but everything felt so, like you could feel that the author had this whole backstory in his head and it, you know, didn't need to all be there on the page because, you know, there were, because he thought it through enough that Mm -hmm. he could put in like key details that made it seem real, um, you know, without kind of, I mean, you know, sometimes fantasy or science fiction or alternate history can get just bogged down in exposition. But, you know, this this novella was 108 pages. There was no room for that. Yeah. It was just straight into the plot. And so, you know, but but then there'd just be these details and, and they'd just give you like a little hint of how it was different. Um, and you're, you know, and it was enough that the plot worked and the story was interesting. And I, you're like, wow, I want to know more about this. Um, so I, I suspect that that's also coming to this, to this alternate Cairo series. Um, yeah, the first one is called a dead gin in Cairo. And the second one is called the haunting of Tramcar 015. Um, and this, this newest one that I believe is just out also this spring, a master of gin. So, uh, I'm super excited to check that one out as well. Um, and and yeah, you know, we, we have some more some more settings that are not Massachusetts. Um, I've never been to Cairo. Me neither. I suspect there'll be a little, you know, I always, especially after doing an alternate history, if it's a place I don't know much about or a history I don't know much about, you know, then I'm, I expect I'm going to want to look for a book on like Egyptian history to kind of tease out like, okay, which parts, like which parts are real and which parts are alternate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's good, you know, you often learn a lot about history of places that and things that you just mm-hmm. didn't know about and you know all from reading fiction right um, well and like you were you saying know, and going with... to just find out you know what else you can right research and and learn about it so yeah I mean like you were saying with last year in Havana you ended up looking into a little bit more of Cuban history I think yes. you said after that um it almost makes the history more interesting when you have yeah. a story that goes with it even though the story is not a true story it's right. based on things that you know, that really did happen. And you do get a sense of what the country was like at that time. And right. Well, and especially after you've read a novel and, you know, you, to me, it's not a good novel if I don't feel some attachment to the character at the end of it. Absolutely. Um, You know, like I said, that's what I really hated about Gone Girls that I just, Mm -hmm. I hated everyone in it. I was not attached to them. Normally I wouldn't keep going with a book like that, but I had to know what happened. You did have to know the ending of that one. I will say that's terrible. Um, but you know, to me, the mark of a good book is like I get to the end and I feel like the character is one of like the main character is one of my friends and I really care about what happens to them. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, to go and like kind of find a nonfiction history of that place, even though it's not an actual person that I know, I feel like I can connect to that fictional story and Absolutely. that fictional character. And I feel so much more invested. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about historical fiction. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. attaching it to the real stories that they go with so exactly Uh, and I do I do read I listen to more nonfiction than I read sometimes I'll read it but 
I do like to listen to nonfiction and it's nice when it can kind of connect with something. Um, Absolutely. And we'll put some nonfiction yeah. books on our summer reading list um, that we'll put on our website. Yeah, there's definitely. a lot of great new nonfiction mm -hmm. um, coming out this summer. So yeah. Yeah. I just cataloged one this afternoon called Superfly about houseflies, which oh. I mean, I didn't think there was a whole book's worth of information that was worth writing about a house lot. And I mean, it's not like a textbook. It's, you know, it's popular nonfiction. So I don't know that that's going to make the summer reading list, but, um, but it's amazing how much is out there that's, you know, really well-written and as readable as fiction. Absolutely. Absolutely. If someone can make flies interesting and make a whole book out of it and you enjoy it, they have a true talent. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I personally will be skipping that one. I think there's probably a lot that I would be happier in my life not knowing about flies, but. <laughs> well, we are running out of time. Yeah. So I'm going to do my last book really quickly. Um, so this one is more of a typical beach book, I would call it. Mm -hmm. um, it is Jennifer Weiner's new book called That Summer. You might remember that last summer she had a very popular book called Big Summer. Uh, this one has a typical nice beach book cover. Yeah. Um, so the idea about this story, uh, the the plot is, um, and, and I've only I'm only about a hundred pages into this one, so I haven't finished it like I had the yep. other two. So, two main characters: um, Daisy Shoemaker. She is a mom raising a family. She has a, a thriving cooking business. She has a husband. Um, she seems to have this idyllic life, but she is not happy. Uh, she's a little bit, um, her kids are a handful. They're teenagers. Mm -hmm. um, she feels like, you know, she's maybe, uh, she and her husband aren't in the best spot in their marriage. She feels like she doesn't have, any real close friends, more acquaintances. And while she's sort of struggling with this, she gets some emails that are misdirected. Um, they're mm. meant to go to another woman named uh, Diane Starling, I think her name is. And Diane's email address is one letter different than Daisy's. So Daisy's getting Diane's emails mm -hmm. and seeing what an exciting life Diane leads. Now, Diane <laughs> is a little bit older, She's single. She has no children. She travels the world. She seems to have this exciting life. And Daisy starts to, you know, wonder about her. So she emails her and they decide to meet. So they meet. They meet uh, for dinner at a restaurant. And you realize fairly quickly, this is where I am in the story, that um, something, is it, is it just a coincidence that she was getting those emails? Is there something more uh, to this story? Is it just um, a coincidence that they met? And you're getting the feeling that no, that is not the case. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that this story is going to have a twist. I'm still mm -hmm. near the beginning. So again, I'm not giving anything away. Yeah. Um, but it does seem like a what I would call a perfect beach read, except that it's in hardcover. Yes. So sand in the cover. We have to be careful mm -hmm. about that. But yeah. if you're reading it on your porch with a ice cold lemonade um, under your uh, your uh, the shade of the porch, exactly. It's perfect, so yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Also, I'm guessing that if you put your name on the list for it now, you might not get it until the end of summer anyway. So good news is Andover has a lot of copies yeah. and a few hot titles. So you might just, if you make your way in the library, there might be one on the hot title shelf, but it does at the moment have a big list. It is one of the yeah. more popular books this summer. But you know, if you haven't, if you haven't already read Big Summer, which I think is that it's not exactly like this isn't exactly a sequel. No, right? but, but it's, sim- it's a similar right. story and yeah. it's a similar sort of beach, typical beach book. And yeah. that's out in paperback. We have lots yeah. of copies of that. Still have lots of hardcover copies of that. So if yeah. you haven't read that one and this one's not available, that would mm-hmm. be a good choice as well. Yeah. And I believe, I mean, Jennifer Weiner has lots of, lots, lots of books. Lots so. of good books that all sort of, um, the thing I really like about her is she writes about larger women who, yeah. you know, ha- really are accepting of their body image. And That's I think great. she really, um, I saw her speak as well. And she talked about how that it's important for her to write about women um, in that way who move through life easily, not always mm-hmm. thinking about how much they weigh. And and a lot of her books have that um, have that theme running through them. And, and I, I actually really enjoy that. Yeah, that sounds great. I've never read any of her stuff, but I mean, she's consistently on the bestseller list, consistently popular. And And some uh, of hers have been made into movies. Um, At least one of them has been made into a movie. Um, The name escapes me. Yeah. Moment, but it was one of her earlier books. We'll put the name of that in the show notes for this episode. Something about shoes. Um, Oh. Mm. And it had. Oh, I can't think of the actress in it, but it was, it was sort of a big summer movie yep. a few years back. So we probably in have it shoe, on. In her shoes. That's hey, what hey. it was. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember and when it that had, I want to say her name's Carmen. Yeah. Um, she's in Carmen the holiday. Diaz. Yes. Carmen Diaz. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So was, there a kid, was there a kid in that movie? So like a kid character? I don't think so. Mm. I feel like it was two sisters. Oh, yeah, that would make yes. sense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I vaguely. And their grandmother, so. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I said, we'll, we can put that on our list of books, too. We can do a bonus summer movie. Uh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, Jennifer Weiner is a great summer author. And, you know, if you like her stuff, there's plenty to pick from. So. Absolutely. Lots of them. Yeah, while you're waiting for the new one to come in, so. Uh, or, you know, until you get lucky and find it on the hot titles show. Yes. But, well, I think you're right. That's about all the summer reading we have time for today. Uh, but in general, you know, you can always, if you're in the library, you can always visit us at the reference desk for book mm-hmm. suggestions. If your idea of summer reading is vastly different than this, or if these all sound great and you read them all and you need more, <laughs> or, you know, sort of whatever the case is, whether you're looking for something totally different, uh, we're always happy to do reader's advisory. Uh, we don't we don't get asked that a lot but I think a lot of us really enjoy when people do come and say you know oh I liked this book what should I read next absolutely and on our website um, mhl.org on the left hand side there's a link for books and more and under that are a lot of our book resources so uh, a link where you can fill out a form and send it to us and we will send you a list of books that you might enjoy Um, one of our databases called book browse um, where you can put in browse books you like by genre, mm-hmm. by author, by uh, beach book, lots of different 
Yeah. Um, you can read about the author, you can read excerpts from books, um, you can read all the reviews. So definitely um, check that out. And there's more resources under that link that I'm not naming, but those are yes. two really good ones. Yeah, those are great. And we can link to those directly in the show notes too for uh, for anyone interested in checking those out. So Absolutely. I think I think sometimes people forget that part of what librarians do is recommend books. So feel free if you if you want suggestions, ask us, you know, in person using the online form. You can email the reference desk, you can call the reference desk, you can use our online chat feature. Basically any any of the ways that you can get in touch for reference for anything, you can also use to ask us you know, what to read next, what to watch next, what, you know, what music to listen to next. I think you're right, Stephanie, the the librarians have a wide range of um, things they enjoy reading. Mm -hmm. So there's always someone who could give you a recommendation depending on what you like. Right. And I think it's one of um, all of our favorite things to do. So please feel free to let us know what you have liked in the past and we will find you a an excellent summer reading book. Yes. Or two. Yes. As many as, well, maybe not as many as you want. We have a limit on our time, but you know, <laughs> a handful even, let's Absolutely. say. Up to a handful. Um, so I think that brings us to the end of this episode of Shelf Help. Uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, and on our website, mhl.org slash podcast. You can also find the show notes there. Um, Like I said, we're going to make a list of all of the books we talked about, plus a few more. We'll link to that as well. And we hope you've enjoyed listening. Until next time, bye. Thank you.